You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Did you forget your toothbrush? Have you run out of toothpaste because you're trying to limit the time you spend in grocery stores? Are you venturing outside for a physically distance outing? But the breath inside your mask is getting a little funky and you're not at home and you forgot gum? No problem. Just go outside, grab a stick, and start rubbing it on your teeth. Go to town on those pearly whites, friend. You can thank me later. Hello, friend, and welcome back to For the Love of History. It's TK with another history topic that you didn't know that you needed to know, but now you're going to know. The history of the toothbrush and minty fresh breath. After researching this week, I have been extra thankful for my Crest toothpaste and my nylon bristle toothbrush because let me tell you, I don't want to be kissing no donkeys or rubbing boar hair on my little toothies. But I won't keep you waiting any longer. Grab your toothbrush and your favorite mouthwash and get ready to be really thankful that you weren't born in the Middle Ages. I'm hoping by the time you are listening to this podcast, you have brushed your teeth at least once today. And if you haven't, now is the perfect time. Just, you know, brush a brush while you're listening to me. We as 21st century human beings are very lucky to have access to super rad dental care. These poor, smelly people of the past will never know the bliss that is rinsing your mouth with super strong Listerine mouthwash that kind of burns, but like also feels real clean at the same time. So how did those poor souls get their breath to be kissable, or at least less than repulsive? There's this kind of idea that people around the world smelled really bad in medieval times and like in the past. And I thought the same thing, especially when it came to breath. Like, how did these people get clean without Listerine? Not sponsored, by the way. So I really was interested in how this all happened. But one of the first things I came across while I was researching this week was that people generally tried to smell good. Although it was more difficult back in the day, they were aware of smells. And especially when it came to mouth things, people have been down with dental hygiene for thousands of years. Not like the traditional toothbrush we know now, but things called chew sticks were used all over the world. Different countries and cultures everywhere used these chew sticks, and they have been used for thousands of years. In Egyptian tombs, chew sticks from 3500 to 3000 BC have been found. They were like right next to the mummies. Those Egyptians knew what's up. Just because you died does not mean that you can slack on your tooth care. <laughs> So in addition to in Egypt, the Babylonians had chew sticks, people in Sudan, in India, in China, in Japan, in Europe, and in the Middle East. They all use these chew sticks. But unlike my horrible recommendation in the intro to just go outside and pick up a stick, uh, people did not do that. (laughs) People actually used specific sticks, not just random sticks that you would find outside. And I will give you some examples. 2,000 years ago in Sudan, people used something called a purple nut sage. And it was 
used because of its antiseptic properties. In the Middle East, the miswak tree was used for the same reasons. In India, there is a super badass tree called the neem that was used and is used for a ton of different things. So these chew sticks had the tooth care trifecta. They were anti-plaque, anti-cavity, and antibacterial. And this is not just like old wives' tale stuff. This is for real. There has been research done on this cool tree and its uses in medicine and cures and different hygiene things. And they have actually, scientists have actually proved the effectiveness of this tree, which is super cool. And also, if you are interested, you can buy neem chew sticks online now. Swear to you, friend. Swear to you. So if anybody tries it, uh, please uh, send me a message and let me know how it went. But let's cross the pond on over to Europe, specifically medieval Europe. What were these people getting up to? What were they doing? So first of all, when we talk about the Middle Ages, it's like 1,000 years long, the whole Middle Ages, from 500 AD to 1500 AD. So we're going to be focusing on the middle part of the Middle Ages. So chew sticks appeared during the middle part, the beginning-ish middle part of the Middle Ages, around 6 to 800-ish AD. So like I said, people were very aware of bad smells during this time, mostly because people believed that disease was carried by bad smells in something called miasma. But TK, what in the heck is a miasma? Let me give you an example. So imagine like a fart carrying the flu kind of a thing. So you can't actually see these miasma, but you can smell them and you know they're there. By the way, I don't think the flu can be carried by a fart, but don't, don't quote me on that. So anyways, people thought disease was carried by bad smells. So people did not want bad breath because people found out real quick that if the mouth gets sick, so does the rest of the body. And Europeans were on board with the chew sticks and used different aromatic or good smelling sticks to clean their teeth and freshen their breath. But dental hygiene did not stop there. We slowly started to move into not only the chew stick, but also very, very, very early forms of toothpaste. This toothpaste was not used every day, but for example, let's say you got a hot chaperoned date or an audience with some important person or just a fancy event. That is when you would use the toothpaste. I'm doing air quotes right now. You cannot see me, but it was not toothpaste. Let me explain what it was. Basically, it was crushed up salt put on the end of the chew stick. That extra abrasion would help get the plaque off of your teeth and also the salt would kill bacteria inside your mouth to make your breath smell better. And if you were getting real, real fancy and you had the money, you could also crush up a clove and mix it in with your salt. And I like clove as much as the next person but not that much, not that much at all to just stick a clove in your mouth. I did that as a child one time when my dad was making Christmas ham 
I just popped a clove in my mouth. And let me tell you, it was one of the worst experiences of my life. (laughs) So in addition to clove, people would also use other kinds of oils to freshen their breath. And there was one more alternative method that gives me the heebie-jeebies when I think about it. So Europeans would use something known as the Greek way to clean their teeth. And it basically consisted of rubbing one's teeth with a linen cloth or sponge dipped in sulfur oils and salt solutions. And sometimes these cloths were attached to a stick to help reach the teeth in the back. And oh, that just, imagine fabric running across your teeth. Horrible, disgusting, moving on. But how long could people possibly be satisfied with this stick? When will we see something like our modern toothbrush, TK? And for that, my friend, we have to go back over to China. The time is 1498. The place is China. You're in the bathroom getting ready to clean your teeth and you pick up a piece of bone or bamboo, if you're poor, with a bunch of boar hairs sticking out of one end. Delicious! It's time to get clean. This was dental hygiene in the 15th century in China. No one really knows who invented this new form of toothbrush, but there was a description of the bristly hair toothbrush in a Chinese encyclopedia written in 1498. These brushes were made out of cattle bone and boar hair. So the necks of these little piggies had really stiff hair and they would just pluck them out and put them in the toothbrush. And as they became more popular among lower classes, people began to make them from wood and bamboo so that they would be more easily accessible because bone is expensive. So these toothbrushes were actually called bristle brushes. And they moved to Europe via traders from China in the 17th century. The actual word for toothbrush, the English word toothbrush, wasn't invented until about 1651, or at least that's the earliest written record we have of the word toothbrush. And it comes from the memoirs of the Vernet family as they described receiving a box of toothbrushes from Paris. So in the 17th century, when toothbrushes came over from China to Europe, they didn't really pop off immediately. They they weren't popular at all. They were just kind of sold as a novelty, like, look how rich I am and fancy I am thing. But then, bam, industrial revolution in Europe, and in 1780, the first mass-produced toothbrush was made. Wow, mass produced toothbrush, excuse me. So it was first made in Europe in 1780. So yay, but don't celebrate too much because they were still made of bone, wood, and boar hair. And hair is porous, meaning there's little bits of bacteria that can crawl up in the hairs. And uh, no thank you, I would not like to put that in my mouth. None of that for me. 
So thank, thank the oral hygiene gods that nylon toothbrushes were invented in 1938. So Europe was off doing its little toothbrush thing and China had been had the toothbrush. But what about America? I hear you loud and clear, friend. I will tell you. So as America often is, uh, it was late to the toothbrush party. In 1885, the toothbrush finally reached America. But once again, it was not immediately popular. It would take a freaking war to get those silly little bad breath American people to brush their damn teeth with a toothbrush. After World War II, when soldiers had to follow a strict dental hygiene regimen in Europe. Like, they had to brush their teeth every day because, like I said, oral hygiene is linked to the rest of your body's health. So it became a habit for those soldiers, and when they came back to America, they continued to brush their teeth as a part of their daily routine. And that was like a ripple effect for their families, and it influenced people changing their daily habits to brushing their teeth every day. So yay! No more Zackleys, as my dad calls bad breath. Because when you don't brush your teeth, your breath smells Zackley like poop. And that, my friend, is some dad wisdom for you. And now we have come to our final thought, friend. This is a pretty quick episode, but I haven't really talked about toothpaste very much. And for that, I apologize. And I ask for your forgiveness in exchange for a toothpaste-related final thought. The history of toothpaste is its own crazy thing, and companies were putting in all sorts of mad ingredients. It was like the Wild West of toothpaste. People were putting in things that could hurt you, things that could kill you, things that were really not supposed to be in toothpaste, things that would actually harm your teeth. Dental hygiene was just such a new thing that there wasn't any American Dental Association or any FDA regulations in regards to toothpaste. So companies just could just willy-nilly put in whatever they want. Like one company called Sozodont that had a toothpaste that was made of 37.15% alcohol. That's how much alcohol they put in there. And in 1897, they had to testify in front of Congress to prove that they weren't just trying to like sneaky sell alcohol with no alcohol tax. And that was not an isolated incident. Pretty much every toothpaste company that we have now has some sort of seedy history of weird crap that they put in their toothpaste. And I have to share with you my absolute favorite toothpaste-related story. So there was a company called Tartar Off, and when you used that toothpaste, it took off 3% of your tooth enamel Every time you used it, it was literally eating away the hard covering on your teeth. And finally, the American Dental Association was created and they cracked down hard on dental hygiene regulations. But that didn't happen until the 1940s. So you just had years and years 
of crazy ass toothpaste. <laughs> and I am going to link some of the more funny commercials and uh, tooth related products on the Instagram. So go ahead and check that out because some of them are very, very funny. And with that, that's all I have for you, my friend. I hope that you have enjoyed today's episode. To find out the topic for next week's episode, head over to the For the Love of History Instagram. I post all sorts of fun stuff over there, so go check it out. Enjoy a quiz of the day question every day if you're into that. It's always on that week's podcast topic, so that's pretty fun. You get to learn some things that I didn't have time to say in the podcast. And also, if you have time and enjoy this episode, I would really appreciate it if you left a review or left just a rating. It really helps the podcast show up in iTunes and the Google search algorithm so that this podcast can get out to more people who would like to learn things and listen to me tell them things. (laughs) So if you like it, I'm sure other people in your life would like it as well. But if you don't have time, that's okay. I still love you. Honestly, I'm just glad you're here. So until next time, don't forget to brush your teeth and do something that makes you happy. So I will see you in the next one. Bye. Why is there a metronome right now? Oh, okay. <laughs>